You're listening to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Care of You. I hope you enjoy the show. We will not sit this one out, and we'll be discussing Don't Give Up On Me, an album by legendary R&B soul singer Solomon Burke. It was released on July 23rd, 2002 on Fat Possum Records. It was produced by Joe Henry and contained original and previously unreleased compositions by songwriters such as Tom Waits and Bob Dylan, and featured guest stars such as Daniel Lanois and the Blind Boys of Alabama. The album won the Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Blues Album. It is not only a dream. Today, we have somebody who prefers to remain anonymous, the mastermind behind the music underscore underscore mentor Twitter feed, and will be hereby and will hereby know be known as M. M, welcome to the show. How are you, Dirk? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. So uh, I believe you guys, you were, you're over in uh, in the States. Is that correct? Correct. Florida. Yeah. Okay. In Florida. So where whereabouts in Florida are you? Uh, South Florida. Okay. So yeah, that's why I, I grew up in Florida. I, uh, I grew up in Daytona Beach and I went to college in Tampa. Excellent. Floridays. Uh, so tell me, um, how did this album enter your life? Actually, I believe I sourced this one accidentally at a um, record store, maybe in a pre-owned section. I like to um, buy pre-owned CDs for discovery. I like to buy new ones if it's something that I'm looking for. Like, for example, today I just pre-ordered Jimmy Buffett's new CD, Life on the Flip Side. So I love supporting recording artists. Part of how I discover music is pre-owned CDs, public library, my Twitter feed, which we'll talk about later, many other ways. But when um, yeah, I really want to own an album, and um, I like to supporting the recording artists. They certainly earned it, and I um, believe in that. That is a fair point, and I think uh, one of the things we'd like to do here is encourage everybody to go out if you enjoy the records that we're talking about, to go out and give them a, give them a listen, give them a purchase if you like it. Uh, had you heard Solomon Burke before this album? I don't think so. I... Uh... I know of a great uh, Tom Petty cover of one of his songs on the playback box set, but I really wasn't familiar with him until I bought this CD and the um, song listings and the songwriters actually on the back of the CD is probably what prompted me to buy this one. Yeah, I can see why. We have a Van Morrison, Tom Waits, Brian Wilson all contributed some songwriting here. Uh, so I picked this one up when it came out in 2002, and I think, I'm struggling to remember, I either read a good review, or I'm pretty sure this was an employee's pick of the pick of the month at Vinyl Fever, which was an independent record store in Tampa, uh, where I had worked for a year, and gets brought up many, many times on this show. It was a, it's, it was a wonderful place, and I'm sad that it's gone. But I want to say that the owner of Vinyl Fever had made this his monthly pick. And he rarely did that. Normally it was just the the regular employees. And so when I saw that the owner had made a pick, I thought, all right, I'm going to just, I'm just going to get this one because he rarely does that. And was just instantly floored. I love this record from the get go. And I was not familiar with Solomon Burke. I was born in Michigan and my, my mom and dad grew up listening to you know, Motown and soul music along with rock and roll. And I want to say that, uh, you know, the Motown was probably more important to my mom than the Beatles were. 
And so I remember a lot of those stuff and I don't believe he was ever on actually on Motown, but he was in that, you know, similar scene. I don't remember having heard anything by him. He wasn't somebody that made it to oldies radio. And it turns out I had heard his name one time before and forgot about it because he's a, one of his songs is a, is a very minor plot point in uh, High Fidelity in the book. So it was a song that uh, Rob's girlfriend had requested he put on a mixed tape for because she wanted to dance to it or something. So that, and I, when rereading the book, I realized that that was uh, a song from Solomon Burke, but this is the first. And I went back and got some of his older stuff and the albums that came out after are also pretty good. They considered this uh, the first of a trilogy because he put out one that had, this was like his soul album. And then he had one called Nashville, which was a country album. And then he did another one with this uh, rock and roll album. And I don't recall the title of it. I fortunately stumbled onto this one. And I'm really glad that I did. Can, I can see why. Because he he is a hell of a performer. And he's got a terrific voice. So let's go ahead and get into our track-by-track track analysis. So side one, song one. The title track, Don't Give Up On Me. And this one was written by Dan Penn, Carson Wislett, and Hoy Lindsay. And I don't know who any of those people are. So I know there's a lot of famous people, but I'm sure maybe songwriter type people know. Hang in there, baby. Sooner or later. I know I'll get it right. Please don't give up on me Oh, please don't give up on me I know it's late Late in the game This is a really wonderful opening track. It's a great introduction to Solomon Burke. It welcomes you into the album. And it introduces you to the, the sounds that you're going to hear. This is this is a bit of a template for, I'd say, about eight of the 11 songs, seven of the 11 songs. It's all sound fairly familiar. It's got that shuffling beat. It's got these splashes and stabs of a church organ, pretty delicate guitar, and of course, the big voice from the man himself. Really a fantastic way to open this album. It's a little bit sexy because it's got that, I'm, I'm begging you to come back, but I just... I, Really, this opening number sold me immediately on this record. And what are your thoughts on it? Well, Don't Give Up was written by the legendary Southern songwriters, Dan Penn, Carson Whitsett, and Hoy Lindsay, as you said. And uh, it features Daniel Lanois and the Blind Boys of Alabama, and they shine here. So does uh, organist Rudy Copeland, who is from um, Solomon's Church. And okay. the song um, isn't as desperate as the Four Tops' Bernadette. Nothing is. However, <laughs> it's, uh, profoundly sincere. And uh, Burke's uh, wailing on it is incredible. Yeah, I love the organ throughout. I don't does does he play the organ on all of the tracks? I think some of them. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. So it's it's really a significant a part of the sound of this record. That brings us on to track two, "Fast Train," written by Van Morrison. You've been on a fast train And it's going off the rail And you can't come back Can't come back again And you start breaking down In the pouring rain Oh, you've been on a fast train On a fast train what are your thoughts here? Well, first, who isn't a Van fan? <laughs> I was having some fun the other day with uh, some people on Twitter regarding his famous kicks on the band's The Last Waltz. Remember that? You've seen that? Yeah. He's such a legend. Um, he's one of the few 
actually legendary recording artists that are on my own bucket list to see perform live. I just never have. Need to someday soon, hopefully. Hopefully concerts will resume soon. I love the guitar and the melody on this track a lot. Same with the backing vocals. The ladies on it, uh, Nikki Harris and uh, Gene McLean, are amazing. So the composite of all the parts of this song really work well together. I agree. He does too. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I think he's he has another one in there, doesn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. So this one continues in the same vein as the opener. Uh, it's got a little more piano, which we don't. I don't remember hearing any piano in that first one, and. That goes along with the, you know, the stabs of the organ, and uh, it's a bit faster paced. I really like how his vocals build throughout. By the end of the song, he's really, he's really going for it. And as you mentioned, the female backup singers always add like just that sweet element. This is a really fine song. Great tone. Yeah. And then track three, Diamond in Your Mind, originally written by Tom Waits and Kathleen Brennan. And money was something that you throw off the back of trains. Oh, oh. Keep a dime in your mind. You got to always keep a dime in your mind. Wherever you may wander, wherever you may roam, you got to always keep a dime in your mind. This one stays really right about that same tempo, a similar instrumentation as the first two. I really enjoy his vocal performance on this one because it's talking about all these things that he's done and it all feels a little bit tongue in cheek. Like he feels like he's not, it doesn't sound like braggadocio. It's more like, oh yeah, so I've been to a party that you could only get to by plane, but he doesn't seem affected by it. And I think that brings out some of the humor that you may not necessarily catch on the first go around. It's uh, really, it's one of those, he's taking his vocal performance seriously, but he's not taking the things that he's singing about too seriously. And I think that makes this a really fun song. And I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. And so I can just sort of, I can hear just that wry Tom Waits, tongue in cheek humor, just spilling out of this one. What are your thoughts? Well, Tom Waits is probably one of the most humorous songwriters that I know. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I uh, discovered his music when a friend sent a copy of the Heart of Saturday Night to me 30 years ago, and then I was hooked. Line and sinker, just a massive fan. What a chameleon he is, and so good at it, too. This composition is no exception. He's amazing. Tom's lyrics delivered uh, by Solomon's vocals are something special. Seriously, uh, check out this line, and I'm sure you know it. She's like a wrecking ball that's no longer connected to the chain. (laughs) 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 I don't know. That's very weighty, and I love it. Totally original imagery. Big fan. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album. And Tom Waits, I don't know if you know this, but Kathleen Brennan, who you mentioned earlier, is Tom Waits' wife and collaborator. Yeah, I've uh, I've covered Tom Waits twice on this show. So Mm -hmm. in the first season, we did both Alice and Blood Money. Right. I'm a big fan of Tom. Bucket list record. Never seen him live. You know, he rarely performs live, I guess, you know, these days, recent years. But I travel to see him. That's how much I'd like to see him perform live. Yeah, I'm kicking myself. We Several years ago, the last time he toured Europe, the closest he got to Poland was, I think, Spain. Mm -hmm. And we seriously considered going. But then it sold out before we were able to get everything in place because it's you know, Spain's not next door <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But I really wish we would have would have made the trek knowing that he uh, that would have been possibly the last chance to see him. So all right, so track four, Flesh and Blood, written by Joe Henry, who also produced the record. All I ever wanted 
was the freedom to refuse or something of my own to love enough to hate to lose the fever in my brain is leaving smoke behind my eyes when the part of me that wants to change fights the part of me that tries What do you think about this one? Moody music. Very cool saxophone. Really inspired stuff. It reminds me of uh, Dylan's most intimate stuff. And it's recorded in one take, actually. And Solomon was in the zone for this one. Uh, and the way he sings, more real than this. Wow. Joe Henry wrote a great essay that was included in the liner notes. And I need to share his take on this recording in his own words, if you don't mind. May I? Oh, no, please. From Joe Henry, who wrote this song, Flesh and Blood, and also produced the album. My own song, Flesh and Blood, which I had written for Solomon, is an example of that, of Solomon delivering a song from the first take as if there were no other possible way it could be interpreted, and of the band following him like a boat on a dark river. I was just standing three feet away from Solomon as he sang it. It came at the tail end of an intense day, and when I met his gaze several times throughout the course of this take, I sensed that he was not only digging deep as a gesture to me, his writer and dutiful foxhole companion, but that he himself was startled by the riches he came up with. <laughs> cool honor notes, yeah? <laughs> Very cool, yeah. Like streaming music, but they're missing out of all the riches that are in liner notes, no? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, Truly incredible. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that essay because the, the – I love this song. Uh, this is probably my favorite song on this album. It's a masterpiece. It is. It's slinky. It's sexy. It's the first time there's really a significant bass line. It's got the tenor sax. This is my favorite vocal performance, definitely. My favorite part is when he says, uh, the part of me that, that tries, mm -hmm. and the way he sings tries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gives me chills yep. every time I hear it. He hits that note and then he starts to play with it and then stops. Like too often soul singers will do the whole, you know, they'll just keep going a little too long and I don't want to hear it anymore. And he just finishes it off at the perfect moment and it's beautiful. Uh, and musically, this sounds like it could have been on uh, Joe Henry's album, Scar, which came out the year before. So a lot of the elements you heard throughout Scar are on this track. And obviously he wrote it, as you said, and it's brilliant. It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. I love this song. Just makes me want to dig into the career of Joe Henry, right? Go into the catalog and see what else I can find. This is my first introduction. I would recommend Scar. Scar is a great record. And I know a friend of mine was talking about Civilian, how much he liked that one. And he put out something just recently with uh, Billy Bragg. So that's when I need to jump back in. I kind of left Joe Henry behind for a bit. I need to rectify that now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Track five, Soul Searching, which was written by Brian Wilson and Andy Paley. Down the darkest street in town, standing in the rain, while my tears keep falling down. I'm soul searching, soul searching. I'm soul searching. 
this has uh, like a 50s vibe to it almost. It, it feels like kind of that old school, early rock and roll. Uh, and it's got some uh, the piano and the organ kind of share the stage here, even though the organ gets the solo and just the uh, the repeated the why, why, why <clears throat> done much better than I did right there uh, uh, along. And like just has that real 50s, not quite doo-wop, but from that era. Uh, and it's just it's a really fun track. And I, I like this one a lot. What do you think about it? Well, yeah, Andy Paley is an American songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. In the early 90s, he worked with Brian and the Beach Boys, and uh, there were acoustic guitars on the Beach Boys version of it, but not on this one. The backing vocals here are excellent, if you agree. Um, this is just a great inclusion. really like it. Nice balance of the songwriters, no, on this album? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff. And I, I, I didn't realize this one had, been, uh, had already been recorded, because uh, I know some of them were written specifically for this album or, you know, written specifically for Lillian Burke. So mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't like just a, like with the, uh, you know, the Johnny Cash records where a, a lot of those were songs that had already been recorded with a few exceptions, but this is you know, specific to him. So a lot of fun, uh, a really great side one. So yeah, that brings us to the end of side one of Solomon Burke's Don't Give Up On Me on I Fucking Love This Record with my special guest, Music Mentor. Tell us about this Twitter feed. You got, uh, what, 7,500 or so followers. Wow. Uh, you're posting about quality music all the time. What made you get started doing this? Uh, incredible. And that and that count is organic, okay? I didn't buy one single follower. <laughs> you know, aggregation of uh, followers. And we have a lot of fun there, okay? And this is a hobby for me. Um, I uh, opened the account probably five, six years ago or so. In fact, the catalyst was I was thinking about developing an app myself just to share music and and um, just this and that that I like. And, and I thought maybe I would develop something. Decided against that, keep my day job, open this free account on Twitter as a hobby, and um, started following different recording artists that were my favorite. And then following their followers, because we had this in common, they'd follow back and went on and on, I guess, all these years. Just a great hobby. I have a lot of fun with it. I like to uh, post, you know, my favorite songs. I I have this hashtag I'm using now, uh, Mentors Top Shelf Tracks, I think. Hashtag in front of that. Sometimes I do this with instrumentals. So that there's a hub and people can use the hashtag and go to the hub and go to latest rather than top. And they can access all these postings that I've used this hub for. And they can introduce some of the greatest music new to them. So that's a lot of fun. I uh, post really cool photos of recording artists and built a great hub at Pick Perfect M2. Something I saw recently is uh, you may not know this yet uh, from if you follow me maybe you do is that i'm a massive mark knopfler fan he's probably my favorite recording artist and uh, the tragedy is that most people don't know much of his work beyond dire straits and he has an incredible solo career and catalog and uh, soundtrack work and collabs and uh, side projects and guest appearances. If you go to his discography on Wikipedia, you'll see hundreds of guest appearances on really noteworthy recording artists. So when I was running the other night, it occurred to me how I could make more people aware of his work. And I came up with a hashtag while running, 
and it's called NOF Learning. Okay, <laughs> that's hashtag N O P F L E R N I N G. And uh, I've been posting one of his tracks per night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, I think I'm on uh, a week or two now. It's coming along. Great hub. And um, I've probably gone on too long. So please continue, Derek. Uh, no, thank you very much. And uh, for uh, those of you who didn't catch it at the uh, at the top of the show, he can be found on Twitter at music underscore underscore mentor. And it's an easy one to follow. And uh, if you're into music, especially if you music, I'd say uh, predominantly from what the 70s and 80s, I think not exclusively, obviously, but I think quite a bit from that. Sure. Uh, like I said, some great pictures, some great sounds and worth checking out. Okay, so we're going to flip the record over. Track six, Only a Dream, the uh, second Van Morrison track. Only a dream that I had in the night. Only a dream, but it felt so right. Well, I was down there in the moonlight. I was holding you tight, but it was only a dream. What do you think about this one? There's another one by Van. Uh, I love the cool name check to producer Joe Henry on this track. I'm sure you know it. <laughs> this is an excellent song, and uh, the piano and the organ combination is very cool. Resonates really well. Yeah, I, I love how he uh, how he shouts out the Joe Henry's name uh, throughout the track. And this is, a, I think, another kind of throwback number, like Soul Searching had that, you know, early 50s vibe. And this has more of an old soul as opposed to an old rock and roll. And it's a bit slow. It's a bit slower. Just a, another quality song to start off the uh, second side of the record here. Mm -hmm. That takes us on to track seven, The Judgment, which was written by Elvis Costello and Cato Rorden. Man, this is a cool tune. I like this one. Uh, it's got that slightly different feel to it than a lot of the other songs on the album. So it breaks the formula. It's similar to Flesh and Blood, but not quite as sexy because this is more of the, uh, you can hear it right there. The Judgment is the title and that's the the subject matter, you know, so it's, it's a little bit more serious. It's got a real groove to it. It's got that late night feel to it. Man, I love this song. What do you think about this one? Yeah, it's another moody one. Great moody tune. Very intense. Uh, historically, I've never been a major Declan fan, but many people are. That said, um, this is a really cool number and also a great inclusion here. I love the guitar chord progressions. Check out these lyrics. There will be lies, there will be tears, a jury of your peers with a pitiful look of experience. Hand down the judgment. Whoa! Delivered by Br yeah. Amazing moment. I love that line. That's a great yeah. line. And this always reminded me just a, a little bit of uh, a Leonard Cohen song, yeah. uh, which is, of course, not going to escape me because I brought it up and <laughs> have to edit it in later. But yeah, so a good one. Track eight, Stepchild, written by Bob Dylan. I bring you diamonds from the diamond mine. Find your doors shut. Treat me like a stepchild. Oh, I am your stepchild. 
stepchild Sometimes I want to turn and run away But my heart just won't let me be what are your thoughts here? Oh, I'm a big Bill, big Bob Dylan fan. Massive. He's one of my music heroes for nearly 40 years. Bob and and um, co-written by one of Bob's backup singers, Helena Springs. I don't know if uh, you knew that. What a cool blues no. groove on this one. What a concept, too. You treat me like a stepchild. <laughs> Burke knew a thing or two about yeah. children, as he was the father of 21 of them. Guest guitarist on this one is the producer extraordinaire of Bob's brilliant 1989 album, Oh Mercy. Uh, Solomon also name-checks Dylan in this blues funk no- I don't know if uh, this is uh, if this Dylan song was recorded anywhere else but here. However, he played it live for a spell in 78. Also noteworthy, Burke's recording of Stepchild was nominated for a W.C. Hardy Blues Award for 2002's Best Blues Song of the Year. Uh-huh. And I think yeah, I, I like got that from my okay. um, Dylan Encyclopedia, which I call Dylan Encyclopedia, Keys to the Rain. Great book. Well, I appreciate you bringing the trivia on the on the show. It's this is fantastic. <laughs> I just uh, I tend to I tend to listen and I'll, I'll look some stuff up every once in a while. But you're just you're just spitting facts, and that's fantastic. I appreciate my that. pleasure. Author is Oliver Traeger, so you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I like this. It's got that kind of stuttery rock feel, and even though it was written by Dylan, it it really has a feel of a. Uh, like a mid-period Stones record because mm-hmm. it's just got that attitude and that jaunty guitar and and you said some some really great lyrics in there. Agreed. On to track on to track nine, the other side of the coin, the Nick Lowe song. Yes, there's much in life for which I could atone, but let him without sin cast the first stone. But before you do. There's still one more point of view On the other side of the coin This one has got a really pretty piano intro. They said we mainly hear church organ throughout this and and the piano really mainly takes a, a bit of a back seat, but here it gets to stand out right up front and there's some bongos in there. So it flips it up just a little bit while still being definitely a part of this record. Now, Nick Lowe is a person that I know more by reputation and more by other people singing his songs than I know about him. So I'm looking forward to what you got for me here on this well, one. Well, Nick Lowe, I'm just discovering myself. In fact, I spent time last week learning some of his music and um, it's amazing. And I know he was in Little Village with uh, John Hyatt and... Uh, who else? Ray Cooter and uh, Keltner, okay? And uh, he was the fourth. So that was a great little super group. I didn't know much of his solo work, but I've been discovering it, and it is amazing. So uh, do the dive. Dig into the catalog, and I think you're going to like it too. This one, this uh, other side of the coin, it's gospel-y. As you said, it has organ and a really cool piano solo in it. I'd like to share one of the lyrics from this too. And it goes, if I've done all the things folks say I've done... I'd be in the ground or somewhere on the run. Incredible. <laughs> also, the final notes are noteworthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, really great song. Yeah, fantastic. That's such yeah. a great line. On to track 10, None of Us mm-hmm. Are Free, written by Barry Mann, Cynthia Weil, and Brenda Russell. Across the years And they're all crying across the ocean And they're crying across the land and they will to we all 
songwriters i first heard this one on ray charles 1990 album my world i love that album i don't know if you've heard it so many highlights clapton was a guitarist on his uh cut mavis staples and brenda russell provided backing vocals on ray's recording but on this one the blind boys of alabama own it i recently heard them on the 2019 collab album with mark Cohn titled work to do look into that one also if you're a fan back to this track Vocals on the chorus are perfect. The organ solo rocks, and this cut has the coolest, funky, soulful groove. Oh, yeah. So this is an, another one that's that's dark. It's soulful. And the Blind Boys of Alabama just, oh, they're so good. This whole, this whole thing just works so well. Another absolute highlight on this record that is filled with highlights. I mean, I love this song so much and this, the the approach to it. And it's got that, and this I think is in the same uh, vein as let's say the judgment or flesh and blood where you're getting slightly different instrumentation and it's just got that, you know, those, the slinky vibe to it while being just really, it's deep and it's a little bit dark. And I, I like this one quite a bit. Yep. All that. So that brings us to our final track, Sit This One Out, written by Pick Purnell. Takes the form of frustration Is a sad combination Of emptiness and doubt But our only human connection Is expressed with a shout Will I think I'm gonna have to adjust it this one? this feels like the last track on an album. It just has that, I'm going to play you out type feel, which I think really bookends really nicely with Don't Give Up On Me, because I just don't think you could put Don't Give Up On Me anywhere else on this album and it would work as well. And the same thing with Sit This One Out. I don't think this would work uh, as well any placed anywhere else, but the, the very last one. It just has that end of the night feel. You know, The lights are going on, they're sweeping up the floor but you're going to get one last great song before you go out. What do you think about it? Final song, Sit This One Out, was written by Pick Purnell, you say. I did some research on this songwriter, right? And I read a quote by Solomon that goes, he walked in the studio, played the song, and left. Nothing else. No history. Seriously, this name may be an alias. If you listen to this album... Think about who this mysterious songwriter could be. Whose style is it? It's a very interesting enigma. Regarding the song itself, it begins with raw pain and gloom, and then segues into jubilation and celebration by the end. The phrasing, tone, delivery, all spot on. Perfect resonance. I love the sparse guitar notes and organ combination near the end, and especially the piano. The conclusion of this song really hits the note. It's a great capstone. Agreed. Just this is the song that needs to be where it is, and and I really like it. So what are your final thoughts on this record? It's a moving experience. If you appreciate quality music, soul and roll, I'd say, you'll love this. Buy it and own it. Include it in your collection. A lot of inspiration was invested into this album. Take ownership of it and enjoy it for years, hopefully decades. Then track down and discover other great music by these songwriters and recording artists. You know, I'd like to just read a little, one more piece from the liner notes, if you'd like, because I, thought, I think it really captured it, if that's okay. And, and this Please. was uh, written by Johnny yeah. Whiteside, 
who is a um, was a music journalist. I believe he passed away. Uh, just listening to Burt deliver a lyric is mesmerizing. It prompts an almost trance-like state of mind, as if the very tone of voice imparts an electrochemical reaction. A psychological transition that once made allows Burke's phrasing and mastery of nuance to envelop and sway you off into a place no other singer can. How about that? I think that sums up a, a lot of things right there. And for me, this is one that I've just I've carried with me for a long time. I, I like this one immediately. And a lot of times, because I'm, you know, constantly on the look for new music and I tend to organize things by year uh, and I'll, I'll have my, you know, my favorite records of the year and I'll, I would put together uh, a, a CD of my favorite songs of the year. And a lot of times then by that next year, a lot of the things from the previous year, I don't listen to quite as much because I'm, I'm on to other things. But this is one that I've just constantly played over the last 18 years that it's been out. When I first moved to Poland, I only brought, I don't know, maybe a hundred CDs with me. And this was one of them. I've gotten to learn more about him as a recording artist uh, by listening to some of his older stuff and carrying on with the newer stuff. I think even if you just were to take like the basic six tracks that have just the same kind of uh, outline where with the, you know, with the shuffling beat and the, the church organ and just the really delicate guitar, I would still really like this record. But it's when he mixes things up that really makes me love this record. So songs like Flesh and Blood and The Judgment. I would highly recommend anybody who, like you said, that likes rock music, soul music, somewhere in the middle. Uh, this is this is one for the ages. Agreed. So I would like to thank you. I would like to thank everybody who's uh, joined in here. Uh, I would like to uh, ask you that if you enjoyed the episode, to please uh, rate, review, uh, subscribe, do all those things so other people will get a chance to listen to the show and bring it up to uh, to more people. Uh, if you are on Twitter, please, please follow my guest, Music Mentor. Once again, that is at music underscore underscore mentor and find out about all the things he's uh, talking about, whether it's great pictures or talking about Mark Knopfler or just any kind of classic music in general. So Em, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join me on the show. Thank you and goodbye. Be well, stay well. Thank you for listening. You can find all of our episodes at lovethisrecord.com. Intro and outro music by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers.